All right, everyone, hello, and welcome to today's webinar, How to Deliver Mobile App Services at Scale. Thank you very much for showing. My name is Scott Kalonico, and we hope we, you're going to have a great session today and lots of uh, information that we're going to be presenting to you. Um, uh, just to let you know up front here, this session is being recorded. If you do happen to miss today's webinar, we'll build, you'll be able to find it on demand on our website at cumulus.com slash webinars, also on our YouTube channel as well. So, um, a little any more housekeeping in order, but everything looks good. If uh, we could go ahead, there we go. Um, as I said, my name is Scott Kalonko. I am the chair. I'm the head of content here at Cumulus. I'm a journalist and social media that I work for Cumulus. I've been working in the tech industry for, yes, 22, the past 22 years. And with me presenting today's webinar is Bob the content loss in. He is founder of Cumulus, previously commercial role with a large mobile app development business, and 15 years working with businesses to productize service offerings. Um, so we're going to get going today's webinar, and here's, here's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover what running a mobile app development business at scale means. We're going to give you three enablers to success, while, why services are important to scale, and some of the secrets to success. Now we're putting those at the end because you can stick around and get the secrets to success just like they do in the movies. So without any further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and turn things over to uh, Mr. Lawson to take it away. Thank you, Scott, and welcome everybody today. I hope what you're gonna hear gives you some good ideas that you can use in your own business. So just to set the context, what we're talking about today are mobile app development businesses, consultants, software development firms that build apps on behalf of their clients, be those enterprise, SMB, startups, really anybody who has the budget and is looking to find apps being built. To put a little bit of context around about what we're talking about today and to show you that this is actually coming from uh, knowledge that we've gathered from talking to lots and lots of people. Um, this is actually the culmination of about a year-long piece of research that we've been running. We've actually talked to businesses across the world in, in probably more than 20 countries, asking them about the challenges, how they approach it, and how they solve the problems. And most specifically for this session, looking specifically at the different businesses and different stages of development, just to try and see what their real key um, elements of success are. And what we're going to do is we're going to try and boil this down um, show you some of the common practices and try and show you some of the secrets of success. Obviously, we're not giving away any specific confidentiality um, with any of the conversations we have because that's not the way we do things here. Uh, but I'll give you some of the, the, the ideas of, that uh, they've put into practice that hopefully you can adapt and use in your business. So in, in terms of barriers to growth, these are the things that typically people keep telling us that are the things that really hold them back from making a decision. You talk to guys that have started businesses themselves, they are the... Um, the typical entrepreneurial business is having the right people about them. They look around their development room and think, are these people that can these people actually scale with me and scale with my business? It's also a timing thing. This fear of are you too early? Do you overstretch yourself and ultimately um, cause more damage than good? Um, or do you leave it too late and miss an opportunity that you really should have jumped on had it come past your as it comes past your door? It's also the, the fear of higher anxiety, you know, that overstaffing your teams um, and then having to chase work to make payroll, particularly when these guys can be incredibly expensive. The fourth thing is very often it's just really having the time to actually think about these things. Most businesses are running incredibly hard just really to, to stand still. It's very difficult to actually then uh, spend the time, step back and really think about how you could do things differently. 
And the other thing is is what I'm calling here the pilot on approach. It's basically the you start to really just add more and more and more things on top of what you're doing at the moment. And it actually starts to feel a bit like this. You know, people are desperately trying to hang on, trying to understand what the business is. And the thing just starts going slower and slower and slower the more you actually add into your business, which ultimately means that your, your business starts to struggle. Flip side of this is what have we found from talking to lots of these business owners that they see as the enablers for success? And ultimately, to be honest, it comes down to cash, having the cash reserves to allow you to scale, because scaling will mean that you'll need more space, a bigger office, higher costs. You'll probably need to staff up ahead of time, um, or maybe start using contractors or outsourcers to, to um, give you the extra capacity. But again, that'll, that'll involve extra outlay. And ultimately, when you start taking on bigger and bigger projects, it actually means that it does cause more strain to your cash flow uh, because you've got more outlay, you've got more operating costs, and ultimately, you might not be getting um, paid as regularly as you want. You might be running a project in quarterly installments. So ultimately, that can all cause a lot of stress to your business. And ultimately, it then starts meaning that you know the, the faster you go, the higher you grow, it feels like the bigger bowl you're actually trying to carry up the hill. And ultimately, the biggest fear is that at some point you ultimately run out of money and the car goes flying over the, crash, the, the, the cliff and ultimately your business comes crashing down. There's always the fear that you're betting the farm. Is this really the right thing to do? And when is the right thing to actually make that, that leap of faith and, and start scaling up your business? So ultimately, it comes down to money. And I'm going to talk about this for, for a, a quite a bit in the rest of the presentation about how do you actually get over the problem of, of having the capital to scale? Ultimately, what you're looking at is having cash reserves, and typically what we find is most people hold between three to six months of their running costs, and it basically is cash in the bank, because they're obviously worried about downtimes and whether or not they can make payroll. As I've talked about before, it's about the growth stress and the sleepless nights of, you know, if we don't win this project, how are we going to make payroll? Um, do I hire this guy at this point, or do I hold off and maybe lose a, a guy that would be a perfect fit to my team and give me that... Uh, that um, skills and um, quality of employee that would allow my, me to scale my business around them. Um, you're typically going to be under-resourced in peak times and over-resourced in, in lean times, so it's constantly you're fighting that battle of, of having too much work to do and not having enough work to do. And ultimately, in those lean times, the temptation to ch chase bad projects, bringing on customers that ultimately could be the undoing of your business rather than just uh, the things that could give you the, the springboard to allow your business to scale. So we, talk, we call this in Cumulus the drown and swim challenge. The problem you've got in any business that relies on projects is the fact that the projects come in lumps. Yet ultimately, you'd want them to come nice and tight and smooth together. So you've got a number of projects that come nice and neatly together. So you end up with very little um, downturn or very little sort of fall off in your revenues, which obviously gives you the smooth income. But the problem you've got there is resource crunch. Typically, you'll be You'll be setting your resources to the point where you're maybe 75% utilized at any one time. As soon as you start seeing all of these projects coming in at once, you're looking at 100 to 110% utilization, which is more than any business can cope with. And then the other, other problem you obviously have is, could you re realistically expect all of these projects to come nice and neatly on top of each other um, you know, through time? Or you know, in most cases, they're going to be much more spaced out, more like this. Ultimately, again, your problem you've got is you've got variable income coming into your business from projects, and you've got fixed running costs. So clearly, you've got a big mismatch between your income and your expenses. And ultimately, what does that mean? 
it's back to this thing of holding cash reserves and having to hold three to six months of your cash in reserve to see you through the lean times, which really means that you're not fully using all of the assets you have within your business. So ultimately, if you could find a situation where you could build a service revenue layer into your business, which would more than cover um, at least your operating uh, costs to the point where your projects don't dip below the, your actual running costs, then you're in a much better situation. But ultimately, if you can get a situation where your service revenue covers all of your, your running costs, then effectively all of the profit from your business falls into, um, sort of falls into profit. And if you're the business owner and you're looking to sell your business, um, the people buying your business have a completely different view in terms of what things are worth. If you have a business almost completely based on projects, you might get less than 1% turnover as a valuation, maybe up to 1.4% valuation. But if you actually have a situation where your revenues or your running costs are covered by your services revenue, you could be looking at uh, 10 times valuation of your business, so maybe 10 times more valuable business just by having your running costs covered by your, your services revenue. So what do we mean by recurring revenue? Well, what, what do we mean is um, a whole range of different things. It can mean many things to many people in different countries approach it in different ways. But if you have a business that's currently focused almost exclusively on project-based revenue, building apps, shipping apps, and then looking for your next project, you're probably looking at moving from a fixed cost project basis to time and materials. Great place to be if you can simply just charge your techs out on a, on a daily uh, rate and then pass that risk on to your customer for wh what's actually delivered in the end. Other people have labour supply where they'll simply provide, provide specialist techs at certain points within a customer's life cycle. They might go to the next stage and actually have managed development teams where they actually have teams possibly on premise where they actually have the developers, they'll have project managers, they might even have a business analyst working as part of this managed development team to work alongside the customer and deliver that, um, that um, result that they're looking for. Some approach it as what can be called a build, operate, transfer model, where they would build the teams within the business, they'd recruit them for them, they'd manage them for a period of time, and then ultimately transition that team out to the customer, um, obviously for, probably for some sort of finder's fee or establishment fee. Um, you could get into a situation where you're actually selling block hours as prepaid hours on a monthly basis, where they draw down the work and then then use that within within the business within the app to um, expand the functionality of the system or to um, just do regular bug fixes. Some do it by reselling services. They'll take Azure or AWS, package that up and sell it on. And other people, um, probably the ones that are slightly more mature will actually start to create monthly support contracts where they'll do a whole range of different things for the client. I'll talk about that in a bit more detail very soon. But ultimately, the key thing here is to make sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket, or in this case, in one bowl, that you diversify your risk as, as much as possible, not just in terms of the sorts of services that you'll deliver, but more importantly, the clients that you deliver. What we very often find is a lot of the customers that we talk to, um, their real growth starts with winning a large customer. And that feels great because you've got a large customer, maybe on a time and materials basis, that gives you the cash to start growing your business. But ultimately, you could find if you've got all your eggs in one basket, you could find that, in fact, you've just created greater risk in your business and not actually reduced it. So you've got to be thinking very carefully about how you can diversify that growth risk. That growth risk. Okay, so I've rattled through a lot of content in a pretty short period of time, but I just want to stop, pause, and just re re sum up some of the things I've talked about. So what we find when we talk to people is that 
the biggest challenge businesses have is the fact that they're typically built on project-based revenue. It's a, a cash flow killer. It's probably one of the biggest things that undermines and even kills very successful mobile app development businesses, the fact they simply run out of cash because the projects don't come when they need them to make payroll. We find consistently that mobile app development companies with the strongest recurring revenue growth end up having a faster growing and more successful businesses. So it's truly the cornerstone that really underpins your scale-up plans. Recurring revenue provides the financial security. It also gives you the confidence to scale. I mean, a lot of the problems, again, that we see is just having this nervousness to take that leap of faith and actually make the decision to start scaling up the business, moving it from what could be described as a lifestyle business um, into you know, a proper enterprise scale business, winning enterprise scale clients. So as part of this transition, when you're making a decision, one of the biggest challenges you also find is, is what we call having the needles aligned, is making sure that the customers, particularly your sales and your operations teams, are actually all pointed in the same direction and you're ultimately delivering the same desired outcome. That very often you find when businesses scale that the business problem, the biggest problem that they have actually is more internal about you know how can you move people from the way they used to do their job to the job that now needs to be done as you start to scale up your operations. You need to be more structured in the way you approach things. You need to have more mature operational processes, and you need to make sure your sales guys really understand the type of business that your company really now wants to win and bring the opportunities to the company that your operations team can ultimately deliver and ultimately make sure that what you're doing is closely aligned to what your customers need, the, the people that you're ultimately paying your bills. So this is when we get to the bit where we start really letting you into the secret. What we found is we found there really is a there is a way in which you can scale your business, quite significantly reduce your risk, as well as align the compasses that you have with your customers, with your sales team, and also with your operations team. And quite interestingly, it's also something that will help you attract and keep the right size of the customers, the customers that can actually see you um, and help you grow through the various uh, phases of your of the next phases of your business. Now, what we're do doing is we're letting into a secret, so make sure you don't actually tell anybody about it because this could actually be pretty valuable to you. What they do is that they productize the service offerings. So they take a disparate set of skills, they package up into offerings and ultimately then allows them to sell that on to their uh, to their company. This is things that customers will buy. It's things that the customers can easily see value in. It's offerings also that align to the outcomes that they want. And it's, all, and it's on offering that your sales team can confidently sell and make sure that they actually are bringing the opportunities that your customer that your customers have, and you can ultimately fulfil that need. Um, within your operations. Importantly, to retain your valuable customers, the customers you want to actually have long-term relationships with, it's an offering that can also help you deliver lasting long-term relationships. So it keeps you close to your customers, so they see you as, their, as your trusted mobile app development advisor. And importantly, to, re to reduce this project revenue risk, it allows you to start generating recurring revenue. And from that graph with the, um, that I showed you before, can actually raise up your, your revenue line to ultimately get a position where you can cover your ongoing running costs. It's a, an offering that your operational teams can understand, and more importantly, they can very cost effectively 
repeatedly deliver. Because ultimately, as you scale, what you're looking for is increased operational efficiency. If your operational team can't efficiently deliver the services that your sales guys are selling, then you're not going to make the margin you need to ultimately give you the cash to continue to grow your business. But there's more. How can you actually come up with a method where it allows you to stand out and be different and ultimately talk like the big boys? Because the best way to scale up is to actually um, start be believing and behaving like you are the business you want to be. So what the big boys do is what they sell, they might not call it this, but this is ultimately what it is. What they sell is mobile application performance management. That's ultimately what their customers buy from, is the ability to manage the ongoing success of their application effectively across the whole life cycle of the app. And I'll come on to that just in a second. But I could hear you saying, okay, that's fine. Uh, these are just for the big guys. How can a how can a business like mine start delivering something as what seems as sophisticated and complex as mobile application development, uh, application performance management? Well, we think we've actually found a way where you can actually do it at a relatively small scale and, and build a process for services that can scale as your business actually grows. But first, let's just get to the point where we we're all all understand what we see as the typical mobile app development lifecycle. It typically runs in the two phases that most mobile app development companies focus on. This creative, the ideation, the design, and then once the, the design is of the app is agreed with the client, then moving into the build phase, which is typically a, a build, test, deploy phase. So that the life of that might last, say, four months, and the revenue that you come from that comes really over the over that four month period, maybe in monthly monthly installments. But what typically is is not really addressed, certainly by the the mid-sized to to small, the scale-up um, organisation, is the piece that happens after the app is built. We talk to lots and lots of people, and they, they typically see their job ending at that stage. Very few of them actually then have services that they can then deliver that takes them into a two or three year phase with the client that ultimately keeps them close and guilt and builds that bond of trust and the ongoing recurring revenue that comes from regular work that comes from that client. So we're just going to dive into this phase in a little bit more detail because this is really what's what's important about really understanding what we see is typically delivered as part of the application performance management phase. You've got to acquire the customers into the app once it goes live. You've got to make sure that the customers that are coming into the app are actually engaged and fully engaged and using all of the features of the app. You've got to retain them. There's no point in actually spending the effort acquiring good uh, customers or good app users, getting them engaged, and then you don't have a good retention strategy. So you've got to make sure that you're regularly doing things to make sure that uh, wandering app users are regularly brought into the app and continue to see value in what you're doing. And ultimately, at some point, you've got to be considering a, a retirement phase. The average app life cycle seems to be between about two and three years. So you're probably talking about the last six months of that term to really be thinking about retirement and maybe the rejuvenation and relaunch of the app. The other piece which is important is the, the technical management of the app. So the hosting, infrastructure management, capacity planning, make sure that the app is continue to perform as more and more users use the app and more and more functionality goes into the app. It's also important uh, to make sure that obviously the app is stable, bug fix, and you're actually you're managing crashes and you're managing the bug fixes that inevitably come into even the best programmed app uh, because there's a very it's a very fluid situation in app with different form factors, different operating system upgrades. You've got to be on top of that and make sure that the app that once worked well continues to work well over time. 
So ultimately, application performance management on the commercial side is helping the customer make sure that they acquire, engage, and retain the types of customers that they want to have within their app. And the technical application performance management is about managing the, the technical infrastructure of the app. Now, ultimately, by you offering all of this, and you could call this unified application performance management, this allows you to offer something which is typically not what the, the, the uh, a mobile app development company of your skill will offer, but it's an offering which is covers all aspects of the technical performance and commercial performance of the app. So this is about offering mobile application performance as a service. It ultimately helps your customers deliver what they need, which is a high-performing, stable app. But pay attention, this is the important bit. It's an app that attracts, engage, engages, and retains app users, and you're there to help them along this, this whole stage. But it's also an app that's fast, responsive, and reliable, because if the two aren't working in unison, if the app is slow, if it's unreliable and buggy and crashing, then you can be very, very sure that you're not going to achieve the first, the first um, requirement here, the commercial requirement of certainly engaging and retaining users. They'll just simply walk away and find the next app in the App Store. But ultimately, and this is what is really important, it's about delivering the business outcome your customers need and your business and your services and your operations being very closely aligned to delivering the business outcome that your customers need. Because ultimately, it's all about sharing success. If your customer has a successful app, they'll continue to invest in it. And if you've helped them along that journey, they will continue to invest in you. So to step back and sort of distill the information that we've got from all the people we've talked to, this is effectively what I see as being the six main things that really make me think that this is why this works. It extends the earnings, as I said, just from a few months to a few years. You have that relationship that's stable, and from that stable relationship, you can generate a stable income stream, which ultimately reduces the risk from project management income that you're getting from your traditional business model. This obviously reduces anxiety, uh, reduces the sleepless nights that the business owners are going to have in terms of whether they're going to make payroll and whether the projects are going to roll in when you need them, because your, your operating costs have effectively been covered by this recurring revenue underpin. It also lets you plan and scale more confidently, because you know that it's not a big stretch to add another couple of tech heads to your business, because it just... Um, you've got the majority of the costs already covered by this, this rolling revenue. And also, by offering these services, you can attract the right type of customer. Because if they're not willing to actually um, see their app as strategic, if they don't actually understand the way software is developed, um, if they don't actually get the fact that it is a piece of software they're building and therefore the job is never done, that what you've got to do is you've got to develop the product so that it beats the need and then continue manage and measure the need of your new users to make sure that the app continues to expand and grow to meet the changing needs of your users. They've also got to understand that there's a cost to build it, there's a cost to maintain it, it needs to be serviced to make sure that it stays in the peak of health, as I've said before, you know, a stable app can get crashy simply because the operating systems and new form factors are, are being introduced all the time. And also to make sure that they have a cost to continually invest and evolve. And to be honest, if they don't have that, then they're not the types of customers that you can actually then start um, building the ongoing future of your business in because it'll just take um, a bad couple of months and they'll shut the app down on you and then all of a sudden you've lost this, this revenue stream. Ultimately, 
the risk the risk there is that these are the guys that ultimately you'll be chasing when you really need to chase that revenue and they'll probably end up causing you more harm than good so okay so how have we seen mobile app development businesses do this well typically they'll they'll look at right sizing the mobile application development services to the specific need of the client because no one client's needs are consistent some will simply need to be given more information on how their app performs some will be looking for a bit more help in terms of recommendations on how the app should perform and ultimately others will be looking for you to basically take over the whole management of the app effectively becoming their the digital product manager for the app typically the companies that do that are the ones that the app isn't actually core isn't the single reason for having a business it's an important uh, avenue support an element of the business so it's strategic but they, they know they don't have the internal skills to do it and at this stage in their development they're not interested in actually hiring that into the business so they're willing to outsource that to you so they effectively or you can offer them a managed app development service back to the graph that I showed be the, the thing I showed you before um, pay attention to these numbers because these numbers then start mapping onto the next matrix typically this is the way we've seen it being done there's many, many flavors on this, but this, so this is a sort of simplified, boiled down version of how it's typically done. They'll decide the service levels along the, along the top, along the side. So what level of um, engagement, strategic engagement do they actually want? Oops. Um, and ultimately, what sort of services do they need? Is it a maintenance service that in this case, for this client, they, you know, they would be quite willing to completely outsource? that so you're taking care of all the DevOps aspects making sure that it's uh, it's health and well-being is taken care of and acquisition and engagement is, is key because it's a relatively new app um, or in fact are they looking for you to become more proactively involved in acquisition and retention um, acquisition engagement but retention really isn't that important yet because it's re they're really still in those early phases or in fact are they not really interested in acquisition they're really more interested in you helping them engage and retain um, the, the users they already have because they, they reckon they've got actually got good coverage of the, their uh, target market for their app at the moment. So you can vary the types of services you offer um, depending on exactly the type of clients and the client's needs. So that means that you're right-sizing the service to fit their specific requirements. Now, ultimately, what this means is that the more managed services you can sell, the more risk you're obviously taking on for the client because you're really the single throat to choke. But with that, you will actually obviously earn substantially more income than you would if you're doing less strategic services and you're simply giving them information on how well their app is performing or giving them um, proactive recommendations on the things they could do to improve the performance of their app. So, okay. So, again, I'll pause just to take a moment to, um, uh, to summarize some of the things I've just covered there. When we talk to mobile app development business, what they say, and it makes sense, is that customers will buy a service that they can see offers them value. It helps them drive the right outcome for their app, create greater success, more people using the app, more engaged users, more revenue generated from the, in the app, or a more efficient business process. To sell these services at the start, that's really important, is that you shouldn't assume that you can start your normal process of build, of design and, and build, and then uh, throw that over to uh, another team for them to then start selling services. Sell it as a complete package for two reasons. One, because you'll get less resistance from the client once they actually um, get to that point in the cycle. If you've built the app, now you're coming back to them and saying, now I need you to think about these services. 
um, and ultimately they'll be wondering why they need to pay for this, is this not part of the service you would offer? But more importantly, by offering this service and offering the unified mobile application performance management offering, it'll completely differentiate yourself from the typical uh, organization out there. It'll make you operate on a much, a much more enterprise class level for your agency. Um, it ultimately mean that um, you're offering services that go way beyond what the, the typical mobile app developer that you're that this prospect might be talking to really offering, which then means that you're more likely to win that business. And we have asked people about this, and they've said that typically their win rate doubles when they show that they can offer services that cover the entire spectrum of the application performance cycle, so covering the commercial as well as the technical. It's important to position the services as progressive. So, um, showing services from reactive to proactive to manage so that customers can move up through the, the service levels um, as their needs change and as your, your bond of trust grows between you and your client. It also then means that you can upsell those customers as they start asking you to do more things. You can then draw a line to say this service or this requirement isn't covered in the service level. If you need this, then it's about moving from the proactive to managed service, and that cost will be this. If they're happy to pay that, then you offer them that service. So it allows you to continually review and, in, and increase the types of strategic level of services you're offering to your clients. It's really important to make it tangible and visible. There's no point in customers paying you a fee monthly if they don't actually really see what they're getting back. So it's important that they actually see a physical outcome, a regular report, have regular meetings. And obviously, if you're um, if you agree to them with specific uh, business objectives, which you would typically have in the managed service, um, that you're showing them how you're, how you're performing against those benchmarks. You're expecting to generate 10,000 downloads this month. You've generated seven and a half. These are the things you're going to be doing to make sure that you generate your target of 10,000 next month. And the last thing is to make sure that you offer services that are attractive to many, is that don't go down the cul-de-sac of talking to your favorite client, working out what services they actually need, and then developing your service offerings to, spit, to, to suit that specific customer. Because you, you could well find that their needs aren't typical. And as I said, almost at the start of this presentation, you end up with a customer who's very valuable to you, that's generating recurring revenue from you, but in fact, you've increase the risk to your business because you now become over-reliant over on that one single customer. So you've got to have services that have a broad appeal that you can get a, a large number of customers on regular recurring contracts so that um, you've got lots of independent revenue sources and you're not then at risk if that one client decides to uh, move away from you or shut down their app altogether. So from talking to people, it, it really strikes me that there definitely is something in this, that it definitely is something here that um, you can actually cover a number of different things. You can um, align your compasses to make sure that your customer needs, your sales teams, and your operation, uh, your operation function is aligned to deliver um, the types of business and the types of customers that you're ultimately looking to attract. But it also allows you to build an, an organization that, that generates strong recurring revenue, which ultimately not just reduces the risk in your business, but actually increases the value of your business. And obviously, risk and value are, are two things that are very much uh, interlinked. The lower the risk of your business, the higher a purchaser of your business would uh, value that business. So you're going to get more money if you decide at some point to exit. 
The staying in touch part, though, is really interesting. And not just retaining customers for longer. And you see lots of six to 10 to 15 times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to win more more business from an existing customer. And I think that's true. Certainly from my experience, that's true. Um, so if you've got an ability to stay in regular contact with the customer and not just do the high five out the door, see you later, we've developed the app for you, and find a reason to go back and keep in contact with them, then that, is, that has a lot of value. Um, and the last bit is that you will win follow-up work from them that um, the way organizations are changing and how important and how critical mobile apps are coming pretty much across a whole organization, that you will find yourself being invited into other pieces of business that that organization is looking to do, whether that's moving from a customer-facing app to um, an employee-facing app. You're the guy who knows mobile, has helped them develop um, the success that they've had so far in mobile, so they, they will be the ones that will come to you with follow-on projects. And okay, some final thoughts before we open it up for some from questions. Um, here are some other things, some other tips and tricks that um, picked up from talking to people that are doing this. Offering it at different price points so that you can actually negotiate with a customer that's maybe not that keen to pay a lot of money up front because they don't necessarily see the initial value in, in, set in a mobile uh, recurring revenue service. Um, offer them an easy price point to get in to show them the value, something that doesn't cost you very much, something that doesn't you don't have to spend any time on, um, that then gives them some information and gives you that regular context. So a monthly report that, spot, that spits out the, the key information about how the app's performing, how many downloads they've got, where those downloads are coming from, how the app's being used, what session lengths are like, all that kind of stuff is stuff that very easy for you to provide. Um, and offer some value, and a thing that will ultimately will stimulate a conversation that maybe will either get them to increase the service they're selling with you, or maybe offering um, follow-on services to help them with some of the problems that are being exposed by the information you're providing them with. It also gives you the ability to offer something that they can scale up and scale down. So as their needs change, you know some customers might decide to spend more effort with you in the initial phases of the app, but once the app becomes established, they don't need your help so much, so they'll just downscale that service, which is fine, because ultimately you've done a great job for them and you will win follow-on work because you're still in regular contact with them. And other things, some people talk about, you know, should I give away the service for free? Um, but what we found is that that can be a very dangerous strategy because once customers get used to receiving something from you for free, um, then it becomes very difficult for them to charge. So two typical techniques we've found is offer somebody a three-month discount um, on what you're doing at the moment. This thing normally costs, pick a number, $500 a month. But for you, for the first three months, we'll offer it to you for $200, $250 a month, just so that you can see the value. Or another alternative is something I've covered already, is start low and scale up the services when they need. So get them on a, on a very low price point, a couple of hundred dollars a month, to send them some regular information, and then regularly talk to them about how they can um, deliver more value from it, which moves them up from reactive, proactive, to ultimately a managed, uh, managed level of service. Oops. So just a, a couple of um, ad slides at the end. You know, we, we talk a lot about this. We do a lot of past webinars. Um, there's a slide at the end that shows you the web page to come to to see these past webinars. They go into this in a lot more detail than I've talked about here. Um, We've also got a bunch of marketing materials, so brochures, uh, PDF documents that um, is completely licensed free and you can use where you can you can brand it up yourself or maybe just use them for inspiration for the marketing collateral you'll develop for your services. We've got services guides. 
um, where it gives you more information, dives into some of the things I've talked about here in more detail, um, or playbooks um, that actually then show you how you can position, sell within marketing, how what your sales pitch would look like, and ultimately what the value proposition to your customers would be through the services. So we've got a whole range of material here that you can that you can get completely free. You don't have to be a customer to get this stuff. We're happy to give it to anybody that can get value from it. And ultimately, we have a product um, which helps you deliver some of these things. It has a, a whole range of different features in it, all coming under one single pane of glass. Um, we have an analytics platform. Uh, we've got a push notification service, uh, the ability to generate automated monthly reports where it pulls all the information from all the services run through the Cumulus platform into one easily digestible PDF that you can send on to your clients. Um, you can manage and assess the performance of the app within the App Store. So if there's a consumer app, that can be a particularly important feature to see how the app's performing against its competitors and see what you can do to drive more downloads for the app. Um, and ultimately, this whole service can be completely white labeled all the way down to the domain that your customers would log into to their customer portal to view all their analytics. This is all branded up as yours and your brand and your name. It's their name you see and not ours when they log in. And lastly, and certainly not least, um, it's a crash management feature. So this ultimately allows you to, um, on the previous services in blue, to manage the commercial application performance management, but the, the crash management feature um, allows you to then start to also manage the technical performance of the app. So all in one place, you can manage all of the application performance management aspects of your client's app. So the one thing that we've we've done over the last few webinars, uh, we made the mistake of the first webinar actually of offering this up to anybody on the webinar. We'd give them a free one-hour consultation, which we struggle to cope with, to be honest. So now we've had to limit this to the first five. So the first five people on this on this call, um, we're quite willing to spend an hour um, talking through this in, in a bit more detail, uh, including your wider management team if you want. But to really give you a feel for the, the ways in which you can apply this to your company and a guarantee that this is not some loosely veiled sales pitch. This is, we will not talk about the product. We'll only really talk about what we've seen, the experience we've got, um, we've picked up from talking to different companies in similar businesses as yours, not giving away, as I said, any specific confidentialities, but showing the general approaches they've take, taken and help you problem solve how to go from where you are now to what you need to do in the future. So nothing on product, this is purely free consultation. Free, free consultancy. And Scott, that's me done. All right. Well, thank you very much. Mobile application performance management. That's what we were talking about today, and that's what we're going to be talking about in our webinars for 2018. So be sure to stick around for uh, those sessions coming up. We do have time for a couple questions here. Uh, Bob, if you're uh, ready for these. Sure. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we've got our. Uh, our first, Our first question, question from Cassie, Cassie, Cassie. Cassie. and her question is, uh, would we fit into the dorm room dreamers? How does stealing services work for us? Thanks, Cassie. Um, I hope you didn't feel insulted by me describing you as a dorm room dreamer, but uh, thank you for your question. Um, what we find is that there isn't really a particular point in a mobile app development business where they would naturally move to the next stage. I mean, you get some guys that come straight out of college and let's say they want to be a, have a mobile app development business and they want to go for the you know, um, fire with big guns from day one. 
there's a lot of risk in that, obviously, because they're still learning how to do it. Um, what I would recommend is you probably want to look at, um, let me flick back a couple of slides. You probably want to look at some of the more the more basic services to start with, so not really getting into the, the high-risk managed service at the top of this service level, but maybe offer some reactive services around the areas that you think you've got most skills. You're probably focused on the maintenance and management of the app, um, crash management, bug fixing, um, DevOps and infrastructure scaling and management, and maybe looking at ways in which you can help them with acquisition, maybe using things like the um, the feature we have in our product um, for app store optimization, helping them with engagements, recommending ways in which they can maybe drive push notification campaigns to to bring back uh, wavering customers. So just giving them some basic um, recommendations on how they can improve their their um, the performance of the app. Um, so I think that you can definitely start it if you're a, if you're a dorm room dreamer, um, and you might find actually that you then manage to leap a phase and you then don't go through that uh, wannabe scale up businesses. You can actually scale up more quickly. So it definitely works with a smaller business. Okay, okay. excellent. Well, we've, well, we've got, got time for just about one more question now. If we can hold on to it, uh, and. You ready, Bob? So this uh, question we've got today is from the very last one. Thank you again, everyone, for attending the webinar. Uh, this last question is from Drew, and Drew is asking, do you have any companies doing this right now? So yes, Drew, we do. Um, a lot of what I've talked about here is actually coming from the practical experience that we've found when we've been talking to uh, mobile app development businesses. We're actually in a very privileged position where, because of what we do, we talk to lots of businesses be those customers of ours or be those customers, uh, customer uh, businesses that aren't yet customers of ours. Um, and they're very open with us about what what they do and how they approach it. So what we've done is we've taken a number of conversations in you know, probably more than 20 countries around the world and tried to work out what the, what the sort of commonality, the common fit is. So I'm not saying that anybody will actually be using exactly the, the model that I've demonstrated there in that form but they'll be using aspects of it. So they will have services that they offer in various tiers, for example, where they are um, offering a, a reactive service, a proactive service, and a managed service. They'll call it something different that fits with the, the, their business and their, their brand. Um, also, we find that the ones that are more successful are the ones that align that to the, the life cycle, the life stage of the app. So they're looking at, you know, maintaining and managing the app so that it's in, in working well, acquiring, retaining and engaging customers, uh, app users, so that um, the, the numbers of customers coming in are adding to a stable user base so the success of the app grows, the number of users grow. Um, so yes, we, we definitely have customers that are using exactly this model. And we've also got some, some businesses, some customers of ours actually, that are, um, on that path of starting to cover their their monthly running costs, customers that uh, are actually covering their complete operating costs from the services they're generating, uh, recurring revenue services from past mobile app build projects, customers that are paying their the rent, for example, or paying maybe their administrative costs, and they're ultimately moving towards paying all of their costs. So yeah, we have actual examples, and I'd be willing to to have a separate call on that. And again, can't give you specific confidential information, but I can give you more information on that if that's helpful. 
Alrighty, thank you. And then we've got, uh, that was all the time we have for questions, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for attending the webinar. Uh, to answer a lot of your questions, yes, these, this webinar is being recorded. You'll be able to find it on our uh, webpage, cumulus.com slash webinars. You'll also be able to register for our upcoming January 2018 webinar, which is one you're not going to want to miss. So just go ahead and go there, go ahead to the webpage, watch our old webinars, be sure to register for our new one. Also, be sure to take advantage of our free one-hour phone call station. Remember, there's, that is a 100% non-a-pitch guarantee. So be sure to register for that as well. Also, you can find us on social media, Facebook, and at Twitter, at Cumulus Cloud. Our website, cumulus.com, where you can register for our um, all sorts of uh, newsletters and our blog posts and every kind of imaginable piece of content, as well as the uh, playbooks, ASO playbooks, and agency playbooks. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for attending today, and we'll see you next time.